The following audio is from the Grove Church. To find out more about our church or to check out previous messages, go to our website at grove.church. Good morning. I want to be clear, somebody mentioned to me earlier that my shirt looked like it said Sin City. It doesn't. Um, it, says, it says Rain City, okay? It's uh, a garage in Lake Stevens. One of the guys that goes here, Nick Lampert, owns Rain City Garage in Lake Stevens. So just to be clear, that's what's up. So before you're offended and march out of here, there you go. Um, anyway, maybe next week I'll wear a Sin City shirt. So um, no, I won't. But um, Hey, last week uh, we celebrated the last 90 years as a church, our history, some of the details of the stories and people and things like that. And I love uh, what happened last week. I appreciate those that were here. And it was really fun. I, I posted this on social media last week. It was really fun to go out in the lobby and hear people expound on some of the things I had shared kind of in brief about their connection to certain families and different stories that they remember. Um, really, really meaningful. So last week was awesome. Um, and... Uh, the last 90 years, we ended though, if you were here, we ended with communion. And I really thought what a fitting way to honor Christ and, and appreciate what he's done, but to go back to what he had said, do this in remembrance. But I want to remind you too that the power of, of communion together, I mentioned last week about the simplicity of going back to the cross that Jesus took as he gathered the disciples, what we call kind of in the upper room, he took them and, and they were celebrating Passover. Remember, Passover from the Old Testament is the time that, that God delivered the nation of Israel out of Egypt and, and uh, the, the idea of Passover being celebrated annually. But when Jesus gathered with the disciples during Passover, it says he took bread and he broke it. And some of the words I want you to remember are this. He said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, it says he took the cup, saying, this is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. And he reoriented what was Passover into something that we would call communion, one of the sacraments of the church, the Lord's table. And um, I think it's important to remember that. In the words of, of Levi Lusco, he says this, the blood, sweat, and tears that Jesus paid as he suffered and died for you and me was meant to be a launch point, just an inauguration. The Last Supper didn't end anything. It began everything. And I love those words because it reminds us of not only our 90 years of legacy, 90-year birthday celebration, and all that God has done through incredible and faithful and faith-risk-taking people that we're a part of, but it goes back 2,000 years to people like Peter and James and Paul and John and these individuals that help establish that first century church and then challenge the next generation to continue the message that in turn challenge the next generation and the next generation and the next generation. So on one hand, last week, we can honor 90 years, and we should, of our history. But what I want to do today is I want to move towards the next 10. And today I want to dream, and I would hope that your heart is open. I've been praying for open hearts today as we get into where we're going as a church. Things that I believe God would have for us, because I believe that we are embarking on what I would say is the greatest 10-year stretch we've ever experienced. Now, how many of you guys already read some of this? You picked this up, you already read some of it, okay? You're getting ahead of me, so don't do that, okay? We should have said don't open until Nick says, or don't open until Christmas, or no, that'd be too late. But anyway, um, but I, I bring it up because here's the thing. When we talk about the next 10 years, we're talking about the expansion of kingdom work. What I've said before, and I believe this with all of my heart, that you and I are stewards of the Great Commission in our generation, in the time that we have, and that's something I don't take lightly, and it's something I don't want you to take lightly. So the next 10 years is very much about the expansion of kingdom work. What does that look like? Be more specific. 
And I would say this, I believe in the next 10 years, we are going to be challenged to plant somewhere three, four, five churches in the next 10 years throughout our county. I mentioned before ideas of Tulalip and Stanwood and Arlington, Lake Stevens and Granite Falls and Everett and, and what God would have us do to continue to expand kingdom work. And I believe that's part of the journey. Three to five churches. What it will require, though, and I want you to hear this, is some of you responding to a call to ministry. I know there are people in this room that five years, 10, 20, maybe 30 or 40 even years ago, you had a dream in your heart or you had something you believe God put there that had something to do with church world, something to do with a leadership or a key role in church world, and that thing has remained on the shelf. And I've said before, when it comes to the vision that I believe God has for my life, there are things that I'm doing that are right in front of me, but then there are shelves off to the peripheral, and there's all kinds of other things that I can see and go, I don't know where that fits, but right now, here's what I'm doing. I believe just like me, there are things in your heart that have everything to do with ministry that are sitting on a shelf that maybe possibly you would be called and challenged to be a campus pastor, that maybe possibly you would be part of a key role in one of these church plants or even what happens here on this campus or other opportunities I'm going to talk about. But I believe that you and I, because this is scriptural, you and I, we're all ministers of the gospel. Did you know that? If you're a follower of Christ, Scripture says that you're a minister of the gospel. And you may go, I'm not a pastor. You know, I don't have a you know, weird collar. I didn't go to school for this. I don't, I don't either. I did go to school for it, though. Um, but I would challenge you with this. There's something God wants to do with your life where instead of looking to, there's Nick and he's the pastor. And there's Ryan or Jesse or Aaron or Jen or Megan or whoever else. They're, they're the leaders or they're the pastors. And, and, and when we just come and show up and do our thing, no, no, no. I believe God is calling some of you out. I believe God is challenging some of you that have dreams that have maybe lied dormant for a while. In fact, just after last gathering, I met with somebody in the lobby who was literally in tears going, you are talking to me because that's what's been in my heart. And in some ways, I have felt for years like now I'm too old and I missed my window. And I said, I don't think you did. I think God has something for you. Some of you in this room, that's what I'm talking about. Some of you in this room, and I'm looking at you going, he just looked at me, I did. Because some of you need to hear that. Some of you need to understand God's not done simply because years went by. God has something. But it's going to take, as we say all the time, it's going to take all of us. So I want to challenge you with that. The way is going to be paved when we talk about planting churches. The way is going to be paved through what I've said before is dynamic discipleship. I don't want us just to, to hear that, that you know, Jesus paid the price for us, and that's huge. That's the biggest thing ever. That's the commitment I made you know, 30 and a half years ago in this building. I said yes to faith in Jesus as a 16-year-old kid. But that wasn't the end of it. And I don't want it to be the end of it for any of us either because here's the deal. God has more for us than salvation. Salvation is a big deal. What Jesus did on the cross so you and I could be forgiven, so you and I could be made right, so you and I could have a fresh start, that's a big deal. So we can get to eternity and enjoy the presence of God fully, that's a big deal, amen? But how many of you know God's not done at that point? If God were done, I'm pretty sure he would just be, you know, call us home. Right? But he's not done. And what I want and what I dream about is this, what I call dynamic discipleship. Then when we talk about things like a foundations class, or we hold something called irresistible, where we challenge how you perceive your faith for the next generations and how you're able to model and explain that faith, it's a big deal. That for you and I to understand the work of the Spirit in tune with the Word of God that Paul said to Timothy is living and active. When you and I read the Word, we don't just read it, it reads us. 
the Holy Spirit comes alongside and says, hey, there's a verse you need to camp on because maybe you're not living that out the way you need to. The word of God is living and active, sharper than a double-edged sword. It penetrates the body and joints and marrow, soul. It judges the thoughts and attitudes. Anybody ever been there? We talk about discipleship. It's you and I not just reading scripture and we need to make it a daily habit. I fully believe that. But stopping to let scripture convict. Let scripture challenge. Let scripture enlighten and through the work and the empowerment of the Holy Spirit bringing alive certain things that tell us, hey, don't miss it in this area of your life. Don't miss it in this portion of your life. Deal with this situation that's holding you back from the things I have for you. Learn to forgive. Give up the habit Seek me, repent of the stuff. But that's what God does. And as you and I take seriously discipleship and we continue to create better and better environments to, to sharpen you and I, I believe, once again, God is going to call us out from where we are and bring us to where we need to be. And it has everything to do for some of us right where we're at now. That when you go to work, you understand your mission as a minister. That when you live in your neighborhood or your apartment complex, you understand your mission as a minister. That you and I, wherever we go, we are ministers wherever we go. And I know I say it all the time, but it's true. And for some of you, it's understanding. There's even more than you've ever been a part of. And some of you are going to study for ministry and get a credential as a pastor and take the step that's put in your heart. And some of you just now are hearing it. Maybe that's me. Maybe I should. Or maybe you've considered it, as I said in the past, and it's time to reawaken it. Dynamic discipleship. Internship classes. We, we already have a connection to Northwest University. We have uh, four different individuals in our church, three that come every week and are part of these environments where they learn from our staff. But, but part of what they do is getting credits that transfer to Northwest University with that call to ministry. We already have that. But Jesse and I and Aaron and Ryan and other team members have talked about how that expands to become what we believe could be a great school of ministry. Again, in partnership with certain universities like Northwest University. I believe those things are important, but the way is paved through outreach. How many of you guys know what iHeart is here at the Grove Church? It's not iHeart Radio. It's a ministry we do. Anyway, so I'm like, oh, I tune in all the time. Okay, not that. But iHeart is a church for years. We've taken on projects through parks and recs departments and city governments and, and school districts all over our county where we take four or five days during the summer and we send teams out all over the place, literally to all the places I already mentioned from Tulalip and Stanwood and Arlington to Lake Stevens and Everett and Marysville. We've taken on these projects. Here's what happens. We take on projects and serve and love these communities. And inevitably, somebody walking their dog or somebody coming by or one of the faculty members from the city government or the school will say, what are you guys doing? What is this about? Why? And we explain to them why, because it has everything to do with the gospel. And you know what people say? Where's your church? I want to go. And sometimes, if it's in Stanwood or other places, people will say, well, that's a waste to go. Are you ever going to plant here? And I've had multiple people reach out and say, when are you planting a church in our community over the years? Literally. Outreach opportunities are what paves the way because as cliche as this phrase is, it's still true. People don't care how much you know or what you know until they know how much you care. And that's where we want our communities to desperately know we care deeply. That we desire to make a difference for the sake of Christ. When I think of what happens with the neighborhood, and once again, I am super proud of that team. But for it to be only in existence for just over a year, 13 months now, and to move to two dinners last week for the first time because there wasn't room enough for just one. Over 100 people showing up, and that Marysville Historical Society just isn't big enough. And so what's the solution? Well, we can either turn people away, we can either just give them a meal and send them away, but we want it to be more than, than kind of like a, just a, a food program. We want people to hear the love and message of Christ together. And so they developed two dinners. Last week they had, I think, 87 in one 
and almost 30 in the second dinner already. Again, reaching out, building bridges. You can clap for that, absolutely. Great job on that team, by the way. At some point, by the way, we're going to do more than golf clap. We're going to do the wave and stuff. Maybe not today. Maybe not today, but just, just preparing you. We talk about tutoring. And I'm so proud of Jesse and, and the team that, that every week is ready between four and six here that students come from all over. There's about 30 students right now regularly that come and receive tutoring. It's all free. They get a meal. They get free tutoring from four and six. I love that. But here's the thing. I dream about a day when we send teams to places like Marysville Pilchuck and Marysville Getchell and Totem Middle School and Marysville Middle School and Cedar Crest and different places where we send teams to help kids learn right there because it's hard sometimes to get kids here transportation sometimes. And I dream about the idea that people go, hey, I, I'm decent at math, or I'm good at history, or I know science, or I'm great at English. I went to Pilchuck. I'm challenged in, in a lot of those sometimes. It's a joke. It's a joke. It's a joke. How many went to Marisol Pilchuck? Come on. Tomahawks, like seven of us. That's it. You're, you're just too ashamed to say it now, right? Knock it off. Come on. It's a joke. But honestly, I, I dream of sending teams to these schools to make a difference. We already have Teachers that send students here, hey, go, go to the Grove, they'll, they'll help you out. And I love that, but what if we went to them? Because as I've said before, tutoring is more than just about getting better grades. It's helping kids realize they can be successful. There's something powerful when they feel cared for and successful. I've said it before. And at Grove Men tomorrow night, I'm going to challenge you in a whole other way as a guy. If you're here, I encourage you to come to Grove Men. I'm going to talk a bit about it. But I love how in tutoring, it's our passion to help kids feel successful. I think of the, the, the partnerships that we have. This Wednesday, we have a, a meeting with a bunch of pastors in our city. And I love how we have great relationship, and that's not just a facade that sounds good from a stage. When I, I, I can go over, you know, pastors like Chris Rich or Craig McLaughlin or Aaron Thompson or, or uh, all, all kinds of different, AC3 and, and, and Pastor Rick, all these different individuals, we meet together, we pray together and encourage each other. But I love that we have great partnership with churches where we care together about the mission of Jesus, that it's not us versus them. It's not us versus them, it's us and them. That we're in this together. That we have great partnerships not only with churches, but other entities as we talk about the gospel mission. As we talk about St. Joseph's House, we talk about the food bank, we talk about Eagle's Wings Ministries for the, for the disabled. We talk about all these great partnerships that we have, continuing to expand those partnerships because we believe together in making a Christ-centered difference that can literally move the needle in our communities. The three of you are with me? That, listen, this message of the gospel is far more than, than just feeding people and doing everything. It's realizing the light of Christ is shining through the things that we do. It makes a difference. That we're here to make a difference. We're here to see things change. We believe it can happen. Yes, I'm passionate about it. And the more passionate about it, the faster I talk. And pretty soon, we're going to be auctioning stuff off. <laughs> I know. Some of you want this balloon stack. Hey, I got a balloon stack at $1, $1, $2. $2. Anyway, so keep going. I've dreamed for years, and we have this in a smaller form, but in a greater form of serve teams. We get calls as a church, and other churches do as well. We get calls as a church for different individuals that are, that are maybe struggling, and all of a sudden they need a hot water tank. And, and sometimes it's, hey, we can afford the tank, but is there anybody that can maybe put it in? They just can't afford to hire a plumber to do that. Or, or the windstorm last week, and hey, somebody's fence blew over in this tree, and is there anybody? And here's, here, here's what I know. There's some of you that are great at using chainsaws. There's some of you that aren't. Stay away from them. But some of you last week, like, it's my time to shine, baby. You know, and I love that. But here's the thing. 
There are all kinds of people within this church. And some of you are great at handyman stuff and, and DIY stuff and stuff like that. And we get calls and sometimes we've called you. And I love how over and over and over, I would say this happens at least once a month, sometimes more than that, where we call certain groups and go, any chance you and your guys could get together and go make a difference over here and do that thing? And it's so fun to see those things happen. Sometimes we have to say, no, right now we don't have a crew that can do it. But I dream of the day when more and more there's people, and you hear what I'm saying today, I would say this before you leave, write it on the Connect card. I'm a DIY guy. Put me on a list. And we can tell you, what can you do? Well, I can build a fence, but I can't do plumbing, or I can do electrical, whatever. We can put teams together to serve those that are struggling, but get the help that they need. And sometimes it's internal people within the church, and sometimes it's people from the community that go, is there anybody? And those calls happen at the Grove more frequently than you might imagine. And we're always going, what can we do? Is there something we can do? Serve teams. I, I, I dream of a day when you look at what happens here, and I love that we're in the heart of the city, 4705 Grove, but that this more and more becomes an outreach center than just what we call a church. That literally we can still meet as a church and do church on Sundays, but that we are the church all throughout the week, and we're able to use this facility to facilitate ministry all over the place. I dream of that. Which leads me to what we call the 4705 master plan. Last week I talked about how Pastor Masters in the late 80s said we need to come up with a master plan for this property. And while it's quite a while after 1989 today, here we are and I want to share with you the master plan. If you walked in, you maybe saw the things on the wall in the lobby. But, but there's a packet right here and I want you to pick this up. And if you haven't gone through it, I'm going to go over some of it today. And you can read more in detail um, as, as you head out and take it with you. But we've been working on this for the last 10 years Different board members and, 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 and staff architects in the city and stuff like that. We've been working on this for 10 years. In 2017, 2018, one of the things that you might remember that we did was change what we call the fellowship hall into the Grove Kids Wing. We did a huge overhaul and we put together the Now Initiative. And for those that gave to that, I want to say thank you for making that happen. But we, we renovated the whole North Wing into what's now the Grove Kids Space. Why did we do that? Two reasons. One, it more than doubled the square footage that we had for kids from the old kids' wing that was over to my left out the doors, behind where the wall legacy is right now. But two, it was also in preparation to build a new auditorium, which is what's coming. So in 2017, 18, we grand opened, in 2018, we grand opened that space as the kids' wing. In, in 20, uh, 2021, just last year, just over a year ago, we demoed that wing in preparation for a new auditorium. But the reason we did it um, like 15 months ago is because the city said, hey, look, that wing isn't uh, fire suppressed. Everything else is good. But you guys need to do that or you need to demo that wing because you said you would. And we're like, all right, it's time to do it because we don't want to pay for fire suppression and then demo the wing. So we demoed that wing 15 months ago. But that was in preparation for what will be the new auditorium. And, and, and you, you can look on the screen, and there's kind of an aerial view of the master plan here real quick. But if you look at what's blue, that's going to be the new portion of the facility. So auditorium, lobby, there's, you can see kind of renovated kitchen if you see the blue up on the upper left part of that. But that's the master plan. If you look at some of the other shots of, of the new auditorium, we have a couple of them on here. There's the interior of what will be, and it will over double our seating space for what's coming. So there's a picture. Some of you guys were like, well, who are the people in the pictures? It's stock photography. You're like, hey, that's Aaron. It's not, okay? So that's, it's not Aaron. It's just stock photography. Um, anyway, there's the interior of it right there in general. By the way, um, you see the blue chairs, and you're like, are the chairs really going to be blue? And some of you are like, that's awesome. Some of you are like, it's horrible. Don't hold me to the color of the chairs. That was just to create a contrast so you could actually see the chairs. So anyway, okay. Uh, there's the interior, exterior view from 47th and Grove real quick. So there, if you're looking from the corner, that's kind of the idea. If you notice, there's landscaping out the front. 
I know this is in the weeds, but it's because they said, you, 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 some of you know this, on a property you have to have 30% landscape, stuff like that, if you're going to have 70% paved and roof and stuff like that. So we were required to do this, so we uh, ended up losing the parking that was out front. But there's a the front uh, landscape and all that stuff, and then parking, if you look at the area of you in the past, uh, towards the back and, and stuff like that. Um, a new lobby, a couple shots there we have of the lobby. There's the interior. Again, that is not Aaron in the middle there. Uh, so just, he thought it was. He was all excited. I said, that's not you. Anyway, um, so there's a new lobby. If you look to the right, you'll probably notice that's the ramp. That's the ramp that's there now. It's just going to open up. As you come halfway down, it opens up to what will be the lobby. And then there's the exterior view of it. If you're looking as you're walking in real quick, there's the exterior uh, view so anyway, the ramp would be on the left where the wall and the two windows are. The kids' wing is on the far right there. So that's, that's the new entrance to the lobby. Uh, we're looking to finish the master plan. And here's the thing that, that we made a decision on a while ago. We're going to do this all at once. Originally, and for years we talked about trying to do it in phases. But what came up was a couple of things. First of all, any change we make to the square footage of this facility, require, the city is literally requiring that we redo all the exterior Totally. And so that means all the parking and landscape has to be done. And if we only do part of the building and do all the landscape, it means we have to undo a bunch of landscape in order to build what we're going to build in the future. So one, it's a waste that way financially. Two, it will take longer. And uh, some of you that understand uh, con big construction, that trailer being on site alone is typically about $40,000, $45,000 a month just to have it on site. So the sooner we can get through this, we literally could save well into six figures if we do it all at once. So that's why we would consider or that's why we chose to do it all at once and, and, and then it just gets us done with where we need to be. You go, well, where's the cost? I know it's in the booklet. I did send a video out to our membership a few weeks ago about this, but um, the best we can gather right now with a contractor looking at all the details is about $9 million. So this whole thing, as we look at it, is about $9 million. Um, we have a million dollars in the bank right now ready for the project. And then in our business meeting in March, we talked about uh, a mortgage. And we had a mortgage in the past with the sale of the property that we had up north. Um, we paid that off, and, and we kept setting aside that $25,000 a month in preparation for where we're going. But um, we approved in our business meeting a mortgage of up to $7 million. We sent it to banks after that in March. And uh, about April, we sent all the info out. Um, we got different quotes from different banks and we actually locked in a rate back in April. Can I say thank you, Jesus, for that? Yeah, so that was a big deal because obviously, just like you know, rates have gone up like crazy, so we locked in at four and a quarter percent back then. Yes, praise God for that. And also, we, we locked it in back then. We didn't actually sign the paperwork until about the beginning of October, end of September, beginning of October, um, just a, a couple months ago. But again, I'm just going, thank you, Jesus, that that happened. So that's good news. So there's seven set aside right now on a mortgage. There's a million that we have in the bank and we're putting together a $3 million giving campaign. Now, again, I, I say that, and you go, wait a minute. If the cost is somewhere about $9 million, and you're saying 7 plus 1 is 8, and we do a $3 million giving campaign, that equals 11. Your math is wrong, okay? I know I mentioned Pilchuck, but your math is wrong. Um, <laughs> sorry, that's a bad. That's such a, stop with that joke. Okay, I know. Um, anyway, the reason, a couple of reasons is this. One, if there's any overruns, we don't want that exact amount because it means we got to stop and come back and have these meetings and go through that detail. And we're like, let's, let's avoid having to do that. Two, the truth is, if we can avoid having a $7 million mortgage and we end at six or even maybe $5 million, then we're even in a better spot and, and, and that would be you know, a better way to kind of end this whole project and celebrate. So that's another part of it. So that's where we look at it and go, man, if we can do the $3 million, that would be awesome. 
for those reasons in particular. A couple things that come up, and, and, and I'm going to move on in a minute here. A couple things that come up, though, is this. Is there a way to save on this project? Is there anything? And here's the thing. For years, we've had individuals in commercial trades, make sure you hear that, in commercial trades say, hey, I work in this portion of the industry. I could save you if you let me know what's going on. And we've made multiple phone calls over the last bunch of months to those individuals. We've talked with the general contractors that are currently in the mix to put bids on this project. And, and a couple of them in particular are willing to work with those connections that we have. Once again, that saves some money. Again, we don't want to get ahead of ourselves and say X, you know, this amount, but we know that we could save if those things pan out. And we're hoping and praying that they do. And I'm going to talk about prayer here in a minute. L let me jump into why. And I know you're like, man, you're saying a lot. I know it's like drinking from a fire hose. I get that. I've only got about 30 minutes, so that's why I have to do this right now. Anyway, um, why would we do this? Why would we dream big? Why would we take these steps now? And let me just say this. First of all, honestly, we believe together that it's necessary. We've been talking and praying and trying to figure this out for about 10 years. And, and while a pandemic happened and we wanted to get started back then, we look at now and go, now really is the time. If you were here in 2016, 17, 18, we grew to a point where we felt, man, it's really hard to grow anymore. We had five gatherings. Anybody remember those times? Anyone? The jingle? Anybody remember the jingle? 8.30, 9.45, 11, 12, 15, and 5. Anyway, we did that, not because I'm so amazing at singing, although I know you're impressed. Um, but we had five gatherings because we're like, how do we continue to make space? And so five gatherings, man, I felt like jello by the end of the day. But we want to avoid getting to that point. Our architects told us back in 2013, if you grow to that point of 650 or 700 on a Sunday, you're going to start outgrowing your facility. We grew to averaging about 1,250 people on a Sunday back in 2018, 2019. That's where we were at. And it was a challenge. And some of you on serve teams and kids and all that stuff, it was a lot. And we want to avoid getting to that point as much as we can. And by the way, we already average about 800 right now on a Sunday. So we're already pushing that envelope right now. So that's part of it. Another portion is this. Uh, honestly, we, we believe wholeheartedly in the message of the gospel. Can I hear an amen to that? That, that I'm telling you, I know I say it this way and you go, oh, that's a funny way to say it. I really do believe that you and I are stewards of the Great Commission. I really do believe that Jesus put before us, here, I want you to go make disciples. And I know last week we honored the past where they made disciples and made disciples and made disciples, but that's our call today. And I don't want to sell us short by doing what's comfortable. I don't believe that we ought to sit back and just wait until everything's exactly perfect because I'm not sure that time will ever come. I believe that Jesus challenged us. And in John chapter 17, I said weeks ago, Jesus prayed for you and Jesus prayed for me. Do you know what he prayed? John chapter 17, it says this in verse 20. My prayer, as he's talking about the disciples, is not for them alone, disciples, but I pray for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that, everybody say so that. So Jesus says, I pray for future believers. I pray for this church. I believe Jesus at that point is even praying for, I pray for this church that there would be a connection to us and that there would be incredible unity that the world can look on and that they would know how much I care about this world. I know we could say John 3.16 all day, for God so loved the world. But when Jesus prays about it, he prays that you and I would walk a journey together with a unity and a sacrifice towards one another and an encouragement that the world looks on and goes, I need that. So he says, I pray they would be one that the world would know, or that the world may believe that you have sent me. And then he repeats it. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you 
in me so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. I believe it's a mandate from Jesus that you and I make room in our hearts, let alone a facility for people that can join the family of Jesus. That it's not just about us and enjoying what we get out of it. I'll hit that in a minute. I believe, honestly, this has everything to do with you and I considering a series we've been in for seven weeks, Legacy. That we, we care, I care about the next generation as I raise a kid who's 20 and 17 and 14 and 12 now. And I believe wholeheartedly in creating the kind of environment that they can be blessed by in 10 and 20 and 30 years and their kids, my grandkids can be blessed by. But I want the same thing for you and your families and the people you care about and the friendships that you have. That it isn't just about us. That this literally is our ability to make a difference in the lives of others, some that we don't even know yet, but that will be part of our heritage as families. To realize that our purpose is very much about others. That the culture of this church, as long as I am in leadership, will always be about realizing it's not us, it's a world that needs Christ. That that's what we live for. We say that the, the part of the code, we, this is the one we use all the time, and I know you know it. We give up things we love. For things we love even more, the church doesn't exist for us. We're the church and we exist for the world. It's not circling the wagons and being about us. Our heritage of 90 years was never that. I've said before that people that sacrificed to, to plant this church during the Great Depression in 1932... People that bought the first facility, which there's a picture of with the balloons around it from last week back during World War II. People that, that, that built this facility that we're in right now, this room in the 60s. And then the 70s, the Fellowship Hall wing during one of the most tumultuous times in our nation's history. Some of you lived through, I didn't, I read about it. All kinds of, of, of challenges within the culture and all kinds of things going on from the Vietnam War to race relations and the challenges of, of equality that still is a challenge today. People that during the heritage of this church made sacrifices so that we can enjoy what we have. That they realized it wasn't just about them, but people that needed Christ. I also believe it's just plain time. And this isn't just me saying I believe that. For years we've been trying to figure it out. And there's moments where we feel like there's a pause and we've got to wait. But, but now I do believe is the time. And I honestly can't get it out of my heart. And there's leaders all over that would tell you the same thing. This is a step we're being called to take even though maybe we don't get all of it. Maybe it doesn't all make sense. But we're called to it. Anybody know the population of Marysville in 1986 when the last square footage was added to this building? Somewhere about 12,000 people, the best I could look it up. Do you know what it is today? Over 72,000 people. It's time, honestly, to make room for people within the community that want to join the family of Jesus, and we're called to make room. I also would say that. I, I mentioned it before. That's our heritage. And you go, I, I, I get it. I hear what you're saying, but are you sure now's the time? I hear the word recession. Are you sure now's the time? Things don't always make sense. And I would challenge us with that. I get it. Things don't always make sense. But I would also say that for Abraham, when things were going well for him, God called him out of the Ur of the Chaldees to move towards the promised land when he didn't get it. I would say that Esther, when she became queen and things were going great, was challenged to go to the king, whether he was in a good mood or not, and she literally put her life on the line for the sake of her people. Were times perfect? 
Not even close. If you've ever read Hebrews chapter 11, it's over and over and over about people that took steps of faith and over and over times weren't perfect, but they were called out to do something significant. It's an incredible chapter that I wanna encourage you to read. Why would we do this? Because that's the heritage of our ancestors from those within this church of 90 years, but literally thousands of years of history of following God. Steps of faith that were taken. Even in my journal from September, in 2 Timothy, this is literally one of the last things that Paul would write, and he's writing it to the next generation of church leader in Timothy. And I'm going to skip a little bit of this, but he says this to Timothy, preach the word, be prepared in season and out, correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. And in my journal, I wrote down from September, as I was reading those verses, I was just writing down what I felt like was in my heart about it, and Paul and Timothy and that relationship. And then I look at other translations. And one of them I landed on said it this way, preach the word. Be prepared whether times are favorable or not. What did Jesus say? Look to the fields, they're white unto harvest. And things in his time were not perfect either. I mentioned this a little bit ago, but this book, Levi Lusco, my wife bought it for me for Father's Day. It's called The Last Supper on the Moon. A couple of quotes, and I'm going to read a bunch, and then I'm going to be done here in a minute. But he says this, nothing great has ever been accomplished with half of someone's heart. He says, comfort zones don't keep your life safe. They keep it small. I've said before, comfort zones, you guys, are our enemy. Are your enemy. Anybody ever seen the movie Castaway? Tom Hanks plane crash, he survives up on an island. And what does he do? He lives. He, he figures out how to survive. And he's got his buddy with him. What's his buddy's name? Wilson. But Wilson isn't a person. Wilson's a volleyball. And it's kind of a weird relationship. But at one point when he's lost all the weight and his beard is long and he looks haggard and he's in the cave living, what does he finally do? I don't want to stay here. And he's having this conversation with a volleyball. And I know it's weird, but he says something like this. I would rather take my risk out on the ocean. And the idea is to get where the people are than to live my days out here. And honestly, Heather and I, when we were talking about this, that's how I felt about what we're doing. That we could do this and we can keep doing this. And that's fine. But I honestly would rather take a risk and go big and take the hills God is calling us to take, then play it safe. I want to take a moment and I want to read something. I want to challenge you. I'm going to read a lot, so bear with me. This is talking about Simeon. It starts with Simeon, who in the Bible the Lord told him, you're going to see the Messiah before you die. So as you look at the Gospels, you read about this guy and it's amazing. But it says this, God gave Simeon the gift of not dying until the Messiah arrived. And so Simeon sat and waited and worshipped and grew old. I imagine him attending the funeral for one friend after another until nobody knew he was still alive. But one day his ship came in. And by ship, I mean a carpenter, the carpenter's young bride and an eight-day-old baby who just happened to have hung the heavens and created the world. He cradled the child in his arms as mom and dad prepared two turtle doves, the requisite offering poor people gave at their baby boy's circumcisions. 
God whispered into Simeon's heart that this was the moment he had been waiting for. Simeon was holding in his trembling hands the one who all his life had been holding him, God with us. The one who had come to crush Satan underfoot and ascend to heaven from whence he would return brighter than the sun, riding on the wind, adorned by lightning, only he would start out so helpless he couldn't even crawl. The long-awaited king had come, and he was a baby. There's so much about the story that is worthy of second thought. For instance, if I were Joseph, I think I would have balked at the prospect of giving an offering to God on the occasion of the baby dedication of God's son. It's one thing for me, for, Simi, uh, sorry, Joseph saying, it's one thing for me to raise him for you, but how about you give me an offering, Lord? Haven't you heard of child support? And it's not like Joseph was loaded. Otherwise, they would have given the normal offering of a lamb rather than doves. But we get no trace of that from Joseph. He honorably gave a gift that had cost him and Mary something, and he did it cheerfully. The cool thing to me is what happened next with Joseph and Mary. I imagine the money concerns were probably on Joseph's mind. They had just paid taxes. Then there was the expense of the trip and the doves. The diapers aren't cheap. How is he supposed to make this work? Then the doorbell rang. Yes, I know they didn't have doorbells, but stick with me. Mary and Joseph opened the door, and there on the stoop were three wise men. These three kings, of course, it could have been more and probably was, but they gave gifts. Love always gives. You, can't give, you can give without loving, but you can't love without giving. Frankincense and myrrh, whatever those things are, and a gift we understand, gold, cash money. With their visit came some advice. Herod is loco en la cabeza. And means, and means murder for the child. Don't stay here, get out of Dodge. Now how exactly was a couple so poor they couldn't even afford a lamb gonna afford a trip to another country? The answer was in the gold. This gift funded the expedition. It's remarkable that because the three kings had come from the east, they most likely were already on the road when Joseph and Mary were dipping into their emergency fund to pay for the turtle doves. God must have smiled as he saw their faithfulness knowing the resources were already on the way. I think that's what Paul meant when he told the Corinthians that as they gave out of their lack, God would be able to make all grace abound towards them. The vital point to not miss, the two turtle doves came before the gold. Mary and Joseph sacrificed before they were supplied. So it always is. You must step out in faith before you will watch God miraculously work in your life. Nothing ventured, nothing gained. If you had everything it took to start the business or if you knew exactly who you were going to marry and when you would meet them and what color their hair was going to be, or if you knew when you had planted the church, it would be 200 right away and 600 by Valentine's Day, you wouldn't need faith. Therefore, you wouldn't really need God. He seems to like the deck stacked against us, so we trust him and watch him move in power. Examples include Gideon versus the Midianites, David versus Goliath, and you versus all the challenges you've already faced in your, in your life. You will never see your divine purpose become a reality if you insist on understanding exactly how things are going to work. Oops. Perhaps you have had people around you try to talk you out of something you knew deep down you were supposed to do. I suggest you think twice before you change your course. And he quotes, make, little, make no little plans, for they have no magic to stir men's blood. If you can explain it and everyone understands it, then maybe God's not in it. And in case you're about to object and tell me how daunting your idea or your dream is, may I remind you that humans landed on the moon in 1969 with no Wi-Fi. Andy Andrews likes to say, we put men on the moon be before we thought to put wheels on luggage. Our biggest problem 
is not ability or resources, it's often our imagination. I know I read a lot, but I bring it up because I wanna challenge us together. I wanna take this journey together. And I'm not gonna exclude anyone by saying it this way, it takes all of us for we to win. And I honestly believe we can take this next hill and I believe this next hill is the catalyst to the next 10 years. We've been preparing and praying and planning for 10 years to figure out where we're headed now. And you saw the wall in the lobby when you came in and you saw this packet that you can take with you and I want everyone to take it with you. But before you do, I wanna challenge you with this. Will you pray? Each of you pray. And here's what I'm asking you to pray. Pray for obedience to your part in this journey because there's gonna be key roles we need people to step up and take. There's ministry opportunities for some of you that have a call to ministry that maybe, like I said earlier, is kind of on the shelf. I want you to pray about that because I believe God is gonna bring that right back to center where it used to be. And God wants to do that, I believe that. I would ask you to pray as we talk about a, a giving campaign that begins December 4th for 36 months. And what you can do, just like my wife and I are praying together and talking about, we already have what we can do, what we believe is sacrificial for us. It feels uncomfortable. But even still, would you pray? about that. And on the back of this whole packet, there's all kinds of detail in here, and you can feel free to email me with questions about it. But on the back, there's a pledge card that I would ask you for the next three weeks to keep before you and pray about somewhere in your house so that as we get to December 4th, we could take this step together. And finally, I don't believe the enemy is going to sit back and clap his hands and applaud us taking a hill. I believe what Jesus said about the enemy. He's come to steal and kill and destroy. And so I would ask you to pray over this whole journey. I know of churches and I have friends that have taken steps like this and some have resigned in the midst of it. Some have resigned at the end of, well, I gotta get through it, but then I'm gone because I'm burnt out. And I don't feel that way at all. And I'm excited about where we're going, but you, would you pray for Heather and I and our family? Would you pray for us as a church as we continue to make decisions to try to make the best opportunities available possible all throughout this journey? We're looking to break ground this spring. Right now, all of our information's at the city and we're going back and forth over the permitting and getting the green light. We're lining up those general contractors, go over all the paperwork and put the bids in and that's gonna take a couple of months. But would you pray over this whole process? Pray that, that there will be an incredible harvest as we continue to live sacrificially and consider who else can be reached because we care about the mission of Jesus. Would you pray over this whole journey together? Would you do that? I know we need to, to dismiss here. The last 90 years have been incredible. And I'm not overplaying it because I mean it when I say this. I believe the next 10 years could be the greatest 10 years we've ever experienced as a church. But I wanna do this together. And I wanna challenge you to be a part of it. Go ahead and put this in your hand and I'm gonna pray. As we move towards dismissing today, a couple things I wanna mention. First of all, I know we collect giving towards the end and you can do that on your way out if you have the envelope there with you or you can give online. I think we uh, put up there different, different ways to give and we appreciate that. Um, but I wanna pray over this and I wanna pray for you. If you have a prayer request, there's a connect card there with you. If you're new today, it's probably a really odd day to be here, but welcome. So anyway, uh, glad, really glad you're here. Uh, come back next week. Anyway, um, but uh, we also have a gift if you're a first-time guest. Right to the right of those renderings in the, the Legacy Campaign, we have a hub where we want you to pick up a gift as our way of saying thanks. I want to pray, um, and then we'll dismiss. God, today, I believe the next 10 years are, are incredible. And I, I, I envision all kinds of things that I think are awesome, and we together shared and prayed and all that stuff as a team, as a board, as a staff, talked for years about a lot of this. 
all of it. But God, we bring it to you again today. We pray for your hand. We pray for your covering. We pray for your wisdom. We pray for a great harvest that it's not just about us and something that, that we can sort of do, but God, it's about being able to reach people and expand your family. And I pray it would always be about that. The gospel message of Christ, the cross and what you've done, that we can find grace and forgiveness. I pray for each of us that we all have a part to play. We talk about the financial side of it, that we each hear what you have to say about what we can do sacrificially. That we listen to you about certain roles and certain teams and certain things we do together as we think about churches. We think about ministry teams and outreach opportunities. God, help us each take steps that you would ask us to take. And I pray you would reawaken for some those dreams and you would reveal to some dreams that they haven't even had yet, God, about what you're calling them to do as part of this church family. Help us do what you would ask. Also pray you bless every gift and giver today. Thank you for your faithfulness as we walk this journey. Thank you for all that you do and all that you've done through Christ. It's in your name we pray. And everybody said amen. Thank you for listening to the Grove Church Message Podcast. To keep up to date with us, like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, or check us out at our website, grove.church.